The Christian Bro Code Podcast, episode number 14. It's time to clean house, bro. Hey, what's up? It's your bro, Mario Escobedo. Thanks for tuning in to the Christian Bro Code Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to adding value to your spiritual growth. Each episode is designed to give you something you can use to take a step from where you are right now towards where God wants you to be. And let me tell you something, bro, where God wants you to be is always better than where you are right now. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, and thanks for checking us out. This episode is available in two formats. It's available as a podcast and as a video. That's right, two for the price of one. So if you're listening to the podcast, check the show notes, and there's a link to the video version over at the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, then check the description, and there is a link to the podcast. All right, bro, let's move on to the next segment. Light bulb. All right, this is the big idea. This is the segment of the show titled The Big Idea. The big idea is the one most important thing you should know from this episode. Pretty much everything I say in this segment is to make sure you walk away with the big idea and it's it's stuck. I, I mean like gorilla glued stuck to your heart. And so sometimes I'll tell you the big idea right at the beginning of the segment and sometimes I have to set things up before I tell you the big idea. But either way, for every episode, you'll know what the big idea is because I'll say something like, all right, bro, this is the big idea for this episode. Pay attention, listen up. This is the big idea. So don't worry, you're not going to miss the big idea. Now, before I get into this episode's big idea, here is my disclaimer. Whatever I share in this episode, I share it because I'm still working on it. Okay, it's, it's not... I'm not sharing it. I'm not talking or teaching about this because I've mastered this stuff already. I'm sharing it because because I'm I'm working on it. So we're 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 kind of working on this thing together. Whatever the episode is about, whatever the big idea of the episode, understand this, I haven't mastered it. I'm working on it. And so I bring it up to you so that we can work on some things together. And and so here's here's what you need to know. If I'm talking about it, if it's a big idea, it's because I'm working on taking a step from where I am right now to where God wants me to be in that particular area as it relates to the big idea. So with that in mind, let's talk a bit about the big idea for this episode. And I want the big idea to answer this question. I, I, I want it to be an answer to this question because I'm, I'm guessing that if you're like me, again, I'm, I'm working on this stuff, right? And so I'm, I'm always thinking about certain things, especially as it relates to my marriage, as it relates to me as a, as a bro who's a dad, as it relates to my family, to my home, all of that stuff. So I, I try to think of things that I know that you're going through as a bro, that I know I'm going through as a bro. And then I, I look for some Bible. This is the Christian Bro Code podcast, after all. I look for a Bible that would help me answer questions that I'm asking myself and that I think that maybe you're asking yourself as well. And so the, the question that I want to deal with in this episode of the Christian Bro Code podcast and in this segment, the big idea, this is the question. How do I help my family experience God's blessing? Like what's what's my responsibility? What's my role as a as a dad? as a husband, as a head of the household, if you want to put it that way, what's my role in making sure that 
my family experiences God's blessing, that they experience the blessing of God, how, like, what do I do? What, what can I do so that my family experiences God blessing, God's blessing? Now, listen up, because this is the one most important thing for you to walk away with after listening to this episode. This is the big idea for this episode. And and the big idea is the answer to the question I just posed to you, what can I do or how do I help my family, my kids, my wife, myself, my home, how do I help my family experience God's blessing? The answer to that question is this episode's big idea. So listen up, here it is. This is the big idea for this episode. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. Now, maybe you weren't expecting that type of an answer, but I want to repeat it because, again, and I'm going to repeat it several times throughout this episode, but this is the big idea, and maybe it's not what you were expecting, but here it is again. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. Now, I say that because I think there's a general misconception about God's blessings. I think in general, we've come to this place in our Christianity or in church life in general, whatever, where we think that God's blessing is a right. Like, it's something that I deserve. It's something that my family deserves. And so if I don't have God's blessing, something must be wrong with God. If God isn't blessing me the way I feel that I need to be blessed, then there's got to be something wrong with God because it's my right. You know, it's written in his word. And if God said it, it must be true. I think there's this general misconception that having God's blessing resting on your life, whatever that means for you, God's blessing, whatever that means, I think there is a general misconception about God's blessing that it's a right, that I deserve it, that my family deserves it. And 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 I, I don't think that's the case, because as I look through Scripture, and pretty much Old Testament, New Testament, all of it, as I look through Scripture, God's blessing and God's promises are usually stated as if-then statements, okay? And think back to your days in math or science or literature, I don't know, whatever class it was, if-then statements. So if this happens, then this will be the result. And as I look through Scripture, and I think about God's blessings, and I think about God's promises, I see a lot of if-then statements. If you obey my commands, then I will bless you. If you are careful to obey everything I am commanding you to do today, then I will bless you. Then you will be blessed in the city and blessed out in the country. And I mean, God's blessings and God's promises, for the most part in Scripture, are laid out as if-then statements. There's a condition to God's blessings and a condition to God's promises. And I think that's where I'm saying that we've, there's a general misconception. I deserve it. It's my right. But here's what I'm, I'm telling you. It's, it's back to the big idea. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. And I, there, there are tons of examples, I think, in Scripture that we could use to support this big idea that I'm sharing with you in this episode. But I'm going to go to one place in particular in Scripture. It's 2 Samuel chapter 6. And, and, and I'm going to—I don't know. We'll just, we'll just talk through it, right? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack this so that you can see an example of what happens when someone made room for God's presence in his home, okay? Now, let me, let me set this story up for you. 
Let me give you some context so that we understand what we're going to read. It's, it's a long story. I'm not going to read all of the verses in Second uh, Samuel chapter 6. It's, it's, a, it's a long story. So I'm going to summarize, and then we're only going to read a few verses that, that are necessary for us to understand this big idea. But let me set up the story for you. This story involves King David, all right? And, and it's a story of King David wanting to transport the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, let's understand, let's be clear, just in case you don't know. For the people of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was nothing more than a, a box uh, covered, overlaid with gold, had some cherubim on the cover, and had some very important articles inside of it, the Staff of Aaron, uh, Tablets of the Ten Commandments, and a jar of manna. But the Ark of the Covenant, the importance of it is that it represented the very presence of God for the people of Israel. Well, what happened is that because of some stuff that Israel did, the Ark of the Covenant was no longer in Israel's possession. And so David, when he becomes king, one of the things that he wants to do is that he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, why, why does he want to do that? Or he wants to bring it to Jerusalem, not necessarily back to Jerusalem. He wants to take it to Jerusalem. Why is David interested in doing this? Well, David has chosen Jerusalem as his capital. And the fact that he built his palace in Jerusalem indicates very clearly that he was telling the people of Israel, Jerusalem is the political the governmental capital of our nation. The king's palace is here. That means it's our political capital. Just think of, of the White House, right? Washington, D.C., there's no question that that is our political capital because uh, Capitol Hill is there, Supreme Court is there, the White House is there. It's kind of the same thing as what, what was happening in David's day. The palace of the king was in Jerusalem. That's a political capital. Now, what David was attempting to do is make sure that the people of Israel knew that the city of Jerusalem was also Israel's spiritual or religious capital, and he knew that by bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, that would immediately tell the people of Israel, ah, it's also the religious, the spiritual capital of our country. Why? Well, because the presence of God is there, or the representation of God's presence is there. So David is doing that for, for that reason. And of course, I would have to think that there's some sincerity on David's part. It's not just a political or a strategic move on his part. I think there's some, some sincerity on David's part to want to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. So David, he gathers this huge entourage of people to go with him to where the Ark of the Covenant was and to bring it back with him to Jerusalem. Okay? That's, that's what we're setting up. Now, here's the problem. Here's what happened. David and his entourage didn't follow the instructions for transporting the ark. Way back in the time of Moses, God had given Moses some very specific instructions as to how to move the ark from one place to the other. David didn't follow those instructions. I don't know if it was rebellion on his part, or it was simply an oversight, or he didn't know. I don't know. The fact of the matter is that David did not follow the instructions for transporting the ark and there were some pretty serious consequences. So here, the, here they are, David and his, his entourage, they're traveling. They had this cart, and they placed the Ark of the Covenant on the cart, and they had some oxen who were pulling the Ark of the Covenant. And here's what the Bible says, that as they're going along on their way, then David 
noticed, or not David noticed, but the oxen stumbled. And so the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall off of the cart that was pulling it. And so there was a man who was there, part of David's entourage. His name was Uzzah. And when he sees the Ark of the Covenant about to fall, he reacts and he just extends his arm in an effort to steady the Ark and not let it fall. But as soon as he touched the Ark of the Covenant, bam, he died. I mean, he, he was struck dead in that instant, all because they weren't following the instructions for transporting the Ark of the Covenant properly. Now, as a result of that, that instance where Uzzah dies, look at what happened with David. Now, I'm reading, I'm going to read directly from 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. This is right after one of David's officials dies when he touched the Ark of the Covenant. Here's David's reaction. 2 Samuel 6, verse 9 says, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the Ark of the Lord ever come to me? So he's kind of throwing his hands up in despair and saying, oh, what are we going to do? I mean, if we can't transport the Ark, how am I ever going to bring it back with me to Jerusalem? And so David had to decide to postpone his plan to move the ark. But they couldn't just leave it there where it was, right? They had to do something with it. You can't just leave an Ark of the Covenant out in the rain or just out in the middle of nowhere. So David comes up with this plan, and look at what it reads in verse uh, 10 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. Here's what it says. David wasn't willing to take the Ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Verse 11 reads, the first part of verse 11 reads, or actually all of verse 11, here's what it says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And actually, that's not all of verse 11. There's a second part that we'll get to a little bit later. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. So notice what's happening. The ark of the covenant is being transported. A guy dies. David says, ah, I can't do this. And so let's postpone this This moving party, and and let's see what we can do with it. And they decide to leave it in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now, I want, you, I want you just for a second, the Bible doesn't give any kind of detail whatsoever about what I'm going to talk about, but I want you to imagine with me just for a second, I want you to imagine David asking Obed-Edom if he could leave the ark at his house. What, what must that conversation have been like? All right? I, I can imagine David going to uh, to Obed-Edom's house and maybe knocking, you know, knocking on the door. And uh, Obed-Edom from inside says, yeah, who is it? And David says, it's King David. Oh my goodness, it's the king. It's King David. And he opens up the door, you know, he probably says, I I better put on pants for this one. This is a big one, right? I better put on some pants. And so he opens the door and he sees David, but behind David, he sees his massive entourage, this huge group of people. And and I would imagine him saying something like, oh, 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 king, you know, how are you? Welcome to my house. How can I serve you? What can I do for you? And then David may have asked something like this, hey, can we leave the Ark of the Covenant at your house? And he's like, what? Like, like, what happened? Like, like, what? You know, leave the Ark of the Covenant at my house. And, and I'm like, he's probably thinking, well, I, I mean, if you really need to, I, I guess. But yeah, sure, sure. But can I just ask, like, why? Like, what happened? Like, Why? And that was probably the question that David was dreading. Like, David didn't want him to ask him that question. And, and so he starts explaining, well, you, you know how it is. You know, you, you know how things are. Well, I mean, King, you know, I want to make sure I'm doing things right. 
what happened? Like, why, why do you need to leave the Ark of the Covenant here? You know, what, what's going on? And maybe David had to explain it this way. Well, here's what happened. You see, it's like this. Well, we were transporting the ark, and then the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah, you know, sticks out his hand, and, well, he just, well, he died. He died. Well, what do you mean he died? Like, did the ark crush him? Did it fall on him? Did the oxen stumble over him and trample him? No, 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 no. You see, what happened is that when the ark was starting to fall, Uzo wanted to keep the ark from falling, and he stretched out his hand, and as soon as he touched the ark, well, I mean, that that pretty much... Well, you see, when he touched the ark, that's when he died. How can... You just put yourself in Obed-Edom's position, Right? I, I, if I were Obed-Edom, here's, here's what I would, I think this is what I would be thinking. Like, so what if I get up at night to go, I don't know, use the restroom, get a drink of water, whatever, and I forget that the Ark of the Covenant is there in my house and I accidentally stumble over it? Like, am I going to die if I touch it? Am I, am I, what happens if, if my wife, like she's cleaning the furniture or something and she just happens to brush the Ark of the Covenant? Like, is she going to die? Oh my goodness, what are my kids? What if one of my kids, you know, my kids get into everything. What if they're playing in the house and they touch the Ark of the Covenant? What if my mother-in-law, wait a minute, hey. No, 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 strike that, strike that. We love mothers-in-law at the Christian Bro Code Podcast. But what, I mean, this is, this is, this is something, this is something big. I'm thinking Obed-Edom is thinking something like, if this guy Uzzah tried to do something good, something noble with the Ark of the Covenant and he died, what happens if we accidentally touch the Ark of the Covenant like, what then? Are we going to die? And I, I have to believe that it was in that moment that something inside of Obed-Edom said, say yes. Just, just, just say yes. Let the Ark of the Covenant in. And Obed-Edom had to make room for the Ark of the Covenant in his house. Now, because the Ark of the Covenant represents the very presence of God, here's what I'm saying. Obed-Edom had to make room for the Ark of the Covenant. He, he had to make room for God's presence in his house. He had to make room in, in his house for God's presence, for the Ark of the Covenant. Now, consider this. Houses back then were not nearly as big as houses today. I don't care how small you think your house is right now. It's a, it, it's a mansion. It's huge compared to the sizes of houses back then. Houses just were not big back then. And so here's what I, again, the Bible doesn't go into detail about this, but I have to believe that Obed-Edom had to make room in his house for the Ark of the Covenant. What what I mean by that is I think that Obed-Edom probably had to move some things from one side of the house to the other and say, well, maybe we can fit it there, but if we have to fit it there, then we have to get rid of this. We have to move this from here to over there. And, you know, I'm sure he had to move some things around in his house to fit the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we're not talking about a massive box, but it wasn't small either. I think some scholars have estimated like three feet by two feet or something like that. I mean, so it's not massive, but you know, it's, it's a good size, especially for a small house. So Obed-Edom is probably thinking, well, I got to move stuff from this side to that side. And and not only that, maybe he had to get rid of some things in his house just to make room for the ark. He's like, man, there's, we just don't have enough room. And no matter where we move stuff around in this room, there's just not enough room in this house. We have to get rid of some things. You know, he, he, had to, he had to get rid of some things to make room for God's presence or the ark of the covenant. Now, 
let's pause right here and let's just ask this question. We're seeing Obed-Edom, he, he says yes to inviting God's presence or the Ark of the Covenant into his house. He probably had to make some room, maybe even had to get rid of some stuff in his house. What does that mean for us today? You know, what do we take from the story of Obed-Edom letting the Ark of the Covenant into his house? What, what does that part of the story mean for us today? Here, here's what I think it means. If you want God's presence in your house, you're going to have to make room in your house for God's presence. You're going to have to make room in your house for God's presence in the same way or in a similar way that Obed-Edom did. Now look, in the case of Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom had to make physical room for the ark, right? He had to clear some physical space for the ark. And I'm thinking that in our case today, it, it may be more of a spiritual practice. And I'll, I'll mention here once again the big idea for this episode. If you, want to, if you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. And, and here's what I mean. Yeah, for Obed-Edom, it was physical things that he had to get rid of, but it's very possible that in your case, it's not just spiritual cleaning that you have to do in your house. There may be some physical things right now in your house that are incompatible with God's presence. There may be some things in your house right now that are offensive. They offend God's presence presence. And here's what you need to know. If God's presence is going to be in your house, you're going to have to get rid of those things that are incompatible with his presence. If you want God's presence to be in your house, you have to get rid of things. You have to make room in your house for God's presence. There, there may be things in your house right now that are incompatible with God's presence or outright offensive to God's presence. And if you want God's presence in your house, you're going to have to get rid of those things that are incompatible with his presence. You're going to have to get rid of those things that are offensive to God's presence. Otherwise, God's presence, otherwise, God's presence is not going to remain in your house. And again, for, for Obed-Edom, it was literal, physical things that he had to remove. And in your case, maybe we're talking about some spiritual things, but there may be some very simple and practical physical things that you need to remove from your house as well. Let me give you some examples. TV programs that you watch. I'll just, I'll just kind of ask you, are the TV programs that you watch at home, are they offensive to God's presence? Are they incompatible with God's presence? The stuff you have recorded on your DVR, is that stuff offensive to God's presence? Is that stuff incompatible with God's presence? The websites that you visit, is the content of that website, is it incompatible with God's presence being in your home? Is it offensive to God's presence? The books that are in your home, the books that you read, the magazines that you have at home, the video games that you have at home, the music that you listen to at home, anything in your house, just kind of make a mental inventory and think, is there anything in my house, is there anything occupying space in my house and in my heart, anything that is offensive to God's presence, anything that is incompatible with God's presence. And, and if there is, then your responsibility, the next action you're going to have to take is to get rid of those things that are offensive to God's presence. And I'm going to tell you something that's, man, bro, that, that's something big to ask. That's huge. We're not talking about just 
getting rid of something small. We're, we're talking about getting rid of things that you know are offensive to God's presence, things that you know that are incompatible with God's presence. But here's the thing. It's a big thing to ask. I get it. But God's presence, it's a serious thing. I mean, David found out the hard way that God's presence is not something to be taken lightly. God's presence is not something to be played with. God's presence is a serious thing. And you even get this sense from the Old Testament and the New Testament as well, that God's presence can be a dangerous thing. And and you, 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 you probably don't like hearing that. You're not going to hear very many preachings and sermons and teachings saying God's presence is a dangerous thing. You, you, you hear When you hear about God's presence, you hear about pursuing God's presence and the beauty of God's presence and the comfort and the joy that you find in God's presence, but you rarely hear about the danger of God's presence. But when treated with contempt or with treated when not treated properly as the holy thing that it is, God's presence can be a dangerous thing. And we see that played out in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Our, our problem, going back to how I started this and saying that we have a, a misconception about God's blessings, about God's promise. We also have a misconception about God's presence. We, we can become so grace-driven that we become comfortable with our sins or things that are incompatible with God's presence, meaning that we, we say, well, well, God, we live in the era of grace. We live in the dispensation of grace, however you want to word it. And so it really doesn't matter what I do. I live under grace, right? It's, it's, it's all under the blood. It's all forgiven. It's all grace. God is a God of grace and of love and forgiveness. And we can get to this point in our lives individually as bros where we say, it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter what I watch, it doesn't matter what I listen to, it doesn't matter what I read, it doesn't matter the websites that I visit, God's a God of grace. And, and that's just not consistent with scriptural teaching, Old or New Testament. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. He, write, he, wrote, he, he writes this, here's what he wrote. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. But he didn't stop there. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, this is what Paul wrote. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And then verse 2, he says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now look, I'm all for the grace of God. I, I am all over that. I, that is so scriptural. That's not just a New Testament thing, but the grace of God began in the Old Testament. I get that. But the grace of God is not a license to sin. It's not a license to be incompatible with God's presence or offensive with God's presence. Paul says, we died to that way of living. We're not going to do that anymore. So absolutely, God's presence can be a dangerous thing if you treat it with contempt or treat it lightly. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dare say that it could be that the reason you haven't experienced God's presence in your home the way you would like is because you haven't gotten rid of those things that are offensive to God's presence. I mean, I, I know you want blessing for your family. I know you want God's presence in your family, but it may be that the reason you're not experiencing God's presence and blessing the way you want is because there are still things in your home that are, are offensive to God's presence and they're incompatible with God's presence. That may be the reason that the way you feel that you should be experiencing God's presence isn't happening. It may be because you're... you're you have those things that are incompatible with his presence. You have those things that are offensive to his presence, and, and God's presence just isn't going to manifest itself there. Obed-Edom had to make this tough choice. 
But he said, yes, I'm letting God's presence into my home, and I'm going to make room for God's presence. I'm going to get rid of things that are occupying space where the presence of God should be. And in our case, it, it has to be the same. There may be things that you're watching, you're listening to, that are offensive to God's presence. And if you really are serious about having God's blessing, God's presence in your family and in your home, you're going to have to get rid of some things that are offensive to God's presence. And, and, and here, just to, in parentheses, I want you to notice something. The Bible doesn't tell us that Obed-Edom asked his children if they were okay with having God's presence in their home. I mean, it's a decision that he made as the bro of the house, as the man of the house. He didn't go and ask his kids, hey, what do you think? Do you want to get rid of some stuff so that we can have the Ark of the Covenant in here? Now, Scripture doesn't record that. And, and, and I think it doesn't record that because it's letting us know that as bros, it's our responsibility to bring God's presence into our home. It's not our children's responsibility to decide if God's presence is going to be in our home or not. It's our responsibility. And, and I'm going to tell you this, and I don't know how you're going to receive this, but it's the absolute truth. Your children have 0% authority in your home. They, your children have 0% authority in your home. They don't get to decide if God's presence is going to be in your home or not. You do. They don't get to decide to keep things that are incompatible with God's presence in your home. You decide that because you're the authority in that home. I'm not suggesting that you be a bully. Not at all. That's not what authority is. But I am saying that your children don't have a say in the matter if God's presence is going to be in your home. You do. You decide that by your actions, by your decisions, and by getting rid of things that are incompatible with God's presence or offensive to God's presence. You need to be that. You need to be the one who says, our house is going to be a house that is welcoming to God's presence, not incompatible with God's presence, not offensive to God's presence. That's your decision to make. Here's the big idea again. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. To get God's presence into his house, Obed-Edom had to make room. But, but, once Obed-Edom had let God's presence into his house, things had to change as well. It wasn't just the making room, right? It wasn't just that he had to make room to get God's presence in there, but once God's presence was there, things had to change. Here, here's what I mean. As of that point forward, when God's presence, when the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed-Edom's home, God's presence was the new authority in the house. It was no longer Obed-Edom. Actions and decisions in that house were now governed by God's presence and no longer by Obed-Edom. And what that means for us is the following. When you allow God's presence into your house, you have to move to the side. You have to move over and let God's authority guide your house. That means that your attitude towards your wife changes, the way you speak to your wife and your kids, and the way you even treat the dog changes because the authority in your house is no longer you, it's God. Your house is under new management. And that new management, that new authority dictates and decides how things function in your house. And this is something that we don't, we don't do easily as bros because we're at work all day and we're being told what to do. Right, whether you you're a, a a manager, a supervisor, a 
owner of your own company, someone is telling you what to do. It could be your bosses or it could be your clients, but someone is telling you what to do. And you want to feel as if when you come home that you have the final authority and the final word in your home. But when God's presence moves into your home, you no longer have the final say. You no longer have the final authority. God's presence does. Everything changes from that point forward. Now, up to this point, in this segment of the big idea, we've we've focused only on the making room for God's presence and the need for making room for God's presence and the need for getting rid of things that are offensive to God's presence. But that's that's only part of the of the big idea, right? The the part of the big idea that says get rid of things that offend God. But the first part of the big idea says if you want God to bless your family. And and here's what here's what I want you I want to do. I want I want to look at what happens as a result of making room for God's presence. Look what happened in the case of Obed Edom. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. Now, we read up to that point before, but this is how the rest of verse 11 reads. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. That's That's where the big idea is based on. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of the things that offend God. And notice, notice what happened that with Obed-Edom. This, in my opinion, is a clear example of a scriptural principle, what happened in the case of Obed-Edom, that blessing follows obedience, that you obey first and then God will bless. Obed-Edom didn't say, okay, God, bless me and my household first, and then I'll make room for you in my house. No, that's not what Obed-Edom did. God blessed Obed-Edom after Obed-Edom made room for him in his house. And not only that, God blessed Obed-Edom because Obed-Edom made room for him in his house. And, and I think God expects the same of us today. At this point in time in our lives, as a bro, in your house, in your family, you can't say, God, bless me first, and then I'll get rid of things that offend you. It doesn't work that way. It, it just doesn't work that way. When, when you say, God, I'll get rid of the things that offend you. God's response is to bless you and your house. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. See, I I think God is always interested in, in getting us, persuading us, inviting us to take steps of growth that will get us closer to what he has for us. And that's why I talk about the Christian Bro Code podcast in this way, that I want you to to take what you hear in this podcast and use it to take a step from where you are right now to where God wants you to be, because I think that is a real invitation that God extends to us, that He wants to move us, He wants to grow us from where we are right now to where He wants us to be. But that does require that we give of our part. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. Now, I've, I've, I've noticed this happen both in my life and in the lives of other uh, Christians and believers that, that I've had conversations with, that there are sometimes that God does something miraculous that encourage you to, encourages you to take a step of growth or a step of faith. God, God wants you to take a step of faith or a step of growth. He knows maybe you're not there yet to take that step, that step yet. So he'll do something miraculous to build up your faith so that faith so that you will then 
take a step of growth or a step of faith. But I think more often than not, more times, God expects us to take a step of growth first before he does the miraculous. And I think in the case of Obed-Edom, that's what happened here. Obed-Edom took a step of faith, a step of growth, and God responded by blessing him. God responded miraculously. Obed-Edom took a step, and then God blessed him. And, and I think I think we can expect God's blessing if we do the same as, as Obed-Edom. And, and there, there, again, is the, the big idea for this episode. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. Do things in God's order. Get rid of those things that are incompatible with God's presence, that are offensive to God's presence, and I think you'll see that when you make room in your house for God's presence, the result will be that God, man, he's going to bless you. He's going to bless you and your entire household. So there it is, the big idea for this episode. If you want God to bless your family, get rid of things that offend God. Now, let's move on to the final segment of the episode. That final segment is called Bring Home the Bacon. I like waking up to the smell of bacon. Sue me. All right, bro. It's time to bring home the bacon. This is a segment of the episode where I suggest a practical way for you to apply the big idea. Now, let me warn you that bringing home the bacon isn't meant to be easy. It's meant to challenge you. Why? Why is it meant to challenge you? Well, because you and I, we grow when we're challenged. If you're never challenged, you'll never grow. So it's time to bring home the bacon. Now, how? How do we take the big idea? How do we take the big idea? If you want God to bless your family, you need to get rid of things that offend God's presence or that are offensive to God. How do we apply that? Well, let, let me make this suggestion, and, and I'm sure that hopefully you're already thinking about what you can do, but let me make this suggestion. Do a quick inventory of your house and eliminate anything you feel is incompatible with God's presence. I mean, maybe you need to scrub clean your internet browser history so that those websites don't come up again anymore. Maybe you need to erase shows on your DVR and stop recording them. Maybe you need to stop watching that show or that series on TV or on Netflix. Maybe you need to throw out books, magazines, video games, music that's offensive to God. I mean, there are a whole bunch of things, but I think your takeaway from this, the benefit of listening to this and hearing this is that you need to move it from theory and from listening to action. Let's be doers, not just hearers of the word. Take action from this. And if you want God to bless your family, then do something. You know, move on this. Start looking in your house for things that may be offensive to God's presence. And and again, maybe it may be a video game that your kid loves to play, but if you sense that it's offensive to God's presence, get rid of it. I guarantee you that those $50, $60 that you spent on that video game, God's presence is far more valuable for your house than those $50 you spent on that video game. Do an inventory. Do an, and, and look for those things that you know are incompatible with God's presence and start getting rid of them. Get them out of there. And I'd say that if you're, if you're at a point where you're struggling with a sin or with a temptation, get help from your pastor or from some other bros who are, 
who are there and who can help you. They're more mature, perhaps, or maybe they've been through and they've, they through what you're going through, and they they can help you get through that. I, in fact, I, I'll encourage you to check out two other episodes of the Christian Bro Code podcast. Episode five of the Christian Bro Code podcast is titled "Temptation: Why Is It So Hard to Resist?" And I, in there, I give you a teaching of why temptation is hard to resist, exactly what the title says. But also episode six, the title of that of that episode is Four Strategies for Overcoming Temptation. If you're struggling with this, listen to those two episodes. They'll definitely help you out. But also enlist the help of other bros, enlist the help of a pastor, enlist the help of a, a church leader, someone who can help you if you're struggling with some things that you know are offensive to God's presence, they're offensive to God's, uh, they're incompatible with God's presence. And so episode five and episode six deal with temptation and dealing with temptation. There are links to both of those episodes in the show notes, in the description of this episode, so check them out. You can also find them uh, at, at thechristianbrocode.com. All right, that's it for this episode, bro. Hey, do something awesome. Help other bros add value to their spiritual growth. When you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, you help other bros find it. And, well, you know what? That's pretty awesome of you. On YouTube, smash that subscribe button like a bro. Like, share, and comment. All that makes it easier for other bros to find these episodes. Also, join the Christian Bro Code Facebook group. It's a group only for bros. And from time to time, I do additional bonus content available only in that group. So check it out. There's links to all the stuff I'm talking about in the show notes and the video description. And that's it, bro. Until next time, find ways to add value to your spiritual growth. God bless. God bless.